Good morning, CFC. Uh, it is a, a privilege for me, as always, when I get to serve this different role in the service and, and get to bring God's word to you this morning. Um, Pastor Lucas is preaching at another one of our five stone churches, this network that we're a part of. So he's in Michigan preaching this morning. Um, and just in case you're a visitor and you came uh, because you saw the sign that we're preaching through Revelation, I'm sorry to disappoint. We are taking a break from Revelation this morning uh, while Lucas is out of town. And uh, we're actually going to be, I tried to get as far from Revelation as I could. So we're going to be in the book of Leviticus today. I figured, let's take a break. Let's do something totally different. Uh, so we are going to be in Leviticus today. Uh, but before we get into that, would you pray with me one more time as we enter into this time of hearing from God's word? Father, we thank you and we praise you for your great love for us that you have shown us in your Son and the way you have saved us. And we thank you, Father, that we're able to gather here this morning, that we have worshipped you by hearing your word read. We've worshipped you by singing your word back to you. Uh, we've worshipped you in taking communion and giving offering. And now, Father, we come to this point in the service where we worship you by hearing uh, your word preached. And I just pray, Father, that by your Spirit, you would be working in our hearts this morning, that uh, your word, which is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, that it would pierce us this morning, that you would convict us and change us by what we find in your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, as far as I know, every single Christian agrees that hospitality is a good thing. Hospitality is not a controversial subject there's not two camps or 25 camps on different positions like we see in the book of Revelation. Uh, hospitality, we can agree on that. Every Christian, I feel confident that if I pulled the room right now, we could all affirm, yep, we like hospitality, it's a good thing. I think the question that our text poses for us this morning and the question I want to ask you is, if we agree that hospitality is good, it's important, nobody's fighting about hospitality, we, we like it, it's a good thing, why aren't we doing more of it? If hospitality is good, why do we have people who sit in churches and don't know the names of people on the other side of the room? If hospitality is something we're supposed to be doing, how many people have we actually invited into our house from our church, or do we just hang out on Sunday mornings? If hospitality is good, then why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we spending more time together, inviting people into our lives, having meals together, sharing and loving one another? I think in order to figure out why we have this gap, why we know it's good and yet we don't always do it, we have to figure out why we should practice hospitality in the first place. And that's what this passage is going to tell us today. What's the, per what's the reason for hospitality? What's the motivation for hospitality? Why would we ever be hospitable in the first place? That is what our text this morning is going to show us. So if you go ahead and uh, open to Leviticus, we're going to be in chapter 19. And we just actually have two verses this morning. Before we get right into those verses, I just want to give a little bit of context on Leviticus. Um, not to explain the whole book to you. In fact, if you're interested in learning more about the book, uh, Lucas preached you the whole thing a couple years ago. Those sermons are on the website. What we need to figure out is just what's happening in chapter 19. What's going on in 19 where we get this command that we're going to read this morning. Go ahead and look with me at the first verse in chapter 19. This is what it says. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
that line right there could be the tagline for the whole book of Leviticus. That's what the entire book of Leviticus is about. The Israelites have a problem. They are serving and worshiping this God who's holy and perfect, and they are not holy and perfect, far from it. How are they going to dwell with this God? They have to be holy as he is holy. That's the whole book of Leviticus. In the first half of the book, we see all these sacrifices, all these rituals, all these things they have to do to make themselves clean. Now in the second half, chapter 19 is into the second half of the book. Now it's how should you live to be holy. Now we've gotten, you know, we've, we've done all the sacrifices. Now we're clean, ritually clean. Now how do we live? What's the holy way that we should live as people of Israel? That's what this, uh, that's what the whole half, second half of the book is about. And that's what chapter 19 is about. More specifically, if you look at chapter 19, verse 18, you may be familiar with this verse. This is what it says. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hopefully some of you guys remember in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the two greatest commandments, which is to love the Lord your God, and the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Here it is, Leviticus chapter 19. That's where that command comes from. That phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, that law summarizes Basically, the second half of the book, uh, you know, how you should act towards your neighbors. Um, But certainly, chapter 19 is all about loving neighbor. Every command that we read in chapter 19, including the one that we're about to read and study this morning, has to do with loving your neighbor. That's what chapter 19 is all about. So we will go ahead then and get into our verses that we're going to read this morning. This is uh, verses 33 and 34. And I'm going to read most of it right here. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. We'll go ahead and stop there. We'll get to that last part of the verse later. Before we can figure out this problem, we have the answer. You know, we have this problem. We want to do hospitality. We think we should be hospitable then we don't always do it. What's the disconnect? We need to figure out why we should be hospitable. But before we can actually do that, let's just take a minute and say, what is hospitality? What is the actual command for the people of Israel in this verse? Uh, So we'll just walk through it and figure out what is Israel being commanded to do here? The first thing we read is, when a stranger sojourns with you. We need to figure out who this command is about. So this is to the people of Israel. They're wandering in the wilderness. They're about to enter the promised land. They're about to be a nation And God gives them a command about strangers sojourning with them. Who are these strangers that Leviticus is talking about? Uh, These strangers are basically immigrants from other nations who are going to move into the borders of Israel. Remember that these laws are for the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, uh, who was an actual, literal, geopolitical nation. They had borders. Um, And any country that has borders has to have some kind of policy about who can come in and out and who can stay there. Now, we're not going to get into that this morning. That's a separate sermon about what we should do about that. But the point is that this is what this is talking about. There's going to be people in Israel. You're going to be living in the land, and there's going to be people there with you. There might be a Moabite, you know, who wants to live with you and live down your street. What do you do about that? What, what, what's supposed to happen with that person? That's what this command is about. And it's actually a two-part command. God gives them a, you shall do this, and you shall not do this. It's two sides of the same coin. It's a do and a do not. And he starts with the do not in verse 33. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. This is the first part of the command. Here's the the bottom line. This is what God is telling Israel. Hey, 
Just because that person is not a native Israelite doesn't mean you get to treat them poorly. That's the command. Remember this whole passage about loving your neighbor? Well, hey, that foreigner, that's your neighbor. Uh, If they're living in Israel, you don't get to treat them wrongly. And this is a command we see all over the Old Testament. What this is talking about um, is protecting vulnerable people. We see this all over the place in the Bible that God cares about the orphans. God cares about the widows and God cares about the sojourners, the foreigners. All of those people are in a vulnerable position, right? The orphan doesn't have parents to take care of them. The widow, same thing in this patriarchal society. She doesn't have her husband to help her. And then we have these sojourners, these foreigners. Um, You can imagine you're in a new place. Maybe you don't speak the same language. You're not in one of the tribes of Israel. You don't have an inheritance in the land. If you run out of money, you don't have a, a tribe to fall back on. You're just stuck. You're in a vulnerable position as a foreigner in this native land of Israel, right? And so God says, hey, don't oppress the foreigners. Uh, every other nation does that. Don't do it yourself. You have to be holy as I am holy, and I'm a God. God cares about justice for vulnerable people, and he says, all right, don't oppress vulnerable people in your land. That's the first part of the command. The second part is the shall. Uh, verse 34, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. So it's not enough to just not oppress the neighbor. That's the bottom line. Definitely don't oppress your neighbor. But you also can't just ignore your neighbor either. You have to actually love the stranger, love the sojourner. Don't oppress them. Don't ignore them. Love them. Um, and I think this command is really incredible. He literally says, God, God says, Leviticus 19.18, over again, love your neighbor as yourself. But he just replaces the word neighbor with stranger. It says there, you shall love, in verse 34, you shall love him as yourself. Who's the him? It's the stranger. God's telling the people of Israel, you're not off the hook here. Uh, The strangers in your land, they're your neighbor too. It's very reminiscent of the parable of the Good Samaritan in the New Testament. If you guys remember this, the lawyer came to talk to Jesus and he said, all right, Jesus, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, what's the law say? He says, well, I love God and I love my neighbor. And uh, quoting Leviticus, and he's, Jesus is like, yep, you got it. And then it says, the lawyer, seeking to justify himself, he goes, well, who is my neighbor, Jesus? Who is my neighbor, really? And then Jesus gives us this parable where we see a Samaritan, not, uh, not one of God's covenant people who helps someone in need, and he goes, that's your neighbor. It's the same thing in the Old Testament. God knows our hearts. He knows that we are likely to exclude people from our definition of neighbor uh, same in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. And so God includes this command to love sojourners in this section about loving your neighbor to remind the people of Israel, hey, that's your neighbor too. Everybody who's living in Israel, foreigner or native, they're your neighbor. And what's really incredible about this verse, it, it could have just stopped, I think, at you shall love the, the stranger as yourself. But look what else it says. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. Uh, God is telling the people of Israel, saying, hey, you know how you guys are my covenant people? You know, you're descended from Abraham and Jacob, 12 tribes. You're my special covenant people. Yeah, treat the sojourner like one of you. Treat him as if he was born in Israel. Treat him as as if he's part of the family. This is an incredible command. Uh, And it's not just that the people who come in just get to have the rights of an Israelite and then not do all the other stuff. It literally means bring them fully into the covenant where they not only get the benefits of, you know, living in Israel and having the nice Dead Sea view out their window or whatever it is, but they also have to follow the law. Look at this. When you, when you go through the book of Leviticus, you can, you can check later if you want. You flip through it and look at all the places in Leviticus that talk about strangers and sojourners. 
One or two of them are commands to love them and, and things like that. Most of them are saying, hey, when this happens, this thing about the law counts for the stranger too. Uh, in Leviticus 16, it's talking about the Day of Atonement, this day when Israel would, um, they would fast all day and they wouldn't work that day. And it says in Leviticus 16, the stranger also has to fast and not work that day. It's not like if, if they're, uh, you know, living down the street, they can just have a party and eat a bunch of food and do whatever they want while Israel's fasting. No, if you're going to live in Israel, you're getting treated as a native born of Israel, which means you're in. You have to do the laws too. All of these moral laws that are in the second half of the book like uh, Leviticus 18, which all the laws about sexual morality, uh, it says, hey, you have to do this, Israel. Also, the stranger who's with you also has to follow this law. In chapter 20, right after 19, it talks about the punishments for committing those sins. If someone in Israel commits incest, they get killed. If, if a stranger in Israel does the same thing, they also get killed. If someone in Israel sacrifices their child to another god, they get killed. If a stranger in Israel sacrifices their child to another god, they get killed. Uh, the law applies to be treated as native means you're fully in. Uh, the good and the bad, the, the, the benefits and the uh, laws that you have to follow, they're all the same for everyone in there. And I think, just to go out of Leviticus, one, it's also throughout the rest of the Torah, and we actually first see it in Exodus 12, right after the Lord has saved people from Israel. He's instituting the Passover. I'm going to put these verses on the screen because it's the exact same thing that Leviticus is talking about. Here's how it starts. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it. And then he starts talking about what, what's in the Passover, what you're supposed to do, who can eat it, who can't. Then you get down to verse 48, and it says this. If a stranger shall sojourn with you, that's the exact same phrase from Leviticus, and would keep the Passover, and would keep the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. There's the same thing in Leviticus again, as a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Remember again, the tagline of Leviticus and how chapter 19 started. You have to be holy as I am holy. That includes everybody within the borders of Israel. If you're going to live in Israel, you have to be holy. And God provided a way for sojourners to come in and literally if they wanted to live there, they could join in to the covenant people of Israel. We see throughout scripture people who weren't born in Israel joining into the covenant people uh, when they come and live within the land of Israel. If you're wondering what any of this has to do with hospitality, uh, because we don't have, it's not like we have immigrants, we're not a nation anymore, right? We're not the nation of Israel. God's people are now every tribe, tongue, and nation spread out throughout the whole earth. Uh, it's not like we have immigration laws for walking through the doors of CFC, right? It's not, so how does this apply to us? Why does this have to do with hospitality? It doesn't say hospitality in Leviticus. When you look at the word hospitality in the New Testament, I think it's picking up on this theme from Leviticus and throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Because Leviticus 34 says, love the stranger as yourself. And the word hospitality in the New Testament literally means love of stranger. The word is philoxenia, which maybe you can hear those two root words in there. Philo, which is like a, like a bibliophile, loves books. So philo is love. Philoxenia, stranger. Uh, you know, you can, somebody might be called like a xenophobe or something like that. That's alien, afraid of aliens. So you have a philoxenia, hospitality. The word we translate as hospitality is love of stranger, philoxenia. And so I think that when we see hospitality in the New Testament, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about loving strangers. 
Um, and I just, let's briefly run through, again, we need to figure out what hospitality is first in order to then practice it, in order to then know why we should practice it. So I've got just a few verses quickly to run through on the screen about what hospitality actually is. Um, first of all, Romans twelve thirteen. it's it's a command for, for Christians. It's a, it says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is in this long passage where Paul is saying, hey, this is what a Christian looks like. They do this, you should do this, you should do this. One of those things you should do, seek to show hospitality. Uh, Hebrews 13, uh, 2, I think, yep, is uh, maybe the most famous verse about hospitality. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Basically, make sure you're loving strangers because you don't even know who those people are. You have no idea. Make sure you're loving them. Uh, we also have 1 Peter 4, 9, which tells us to show hospitality without grumbling. It's a command, and we're told to do it cheerfully. Don't just begrudgingly be hospitable to other people, but do it cheerfully. Um, these aren't on the screen, but if you go and look at in Timothy and Titus at the list of elder qualifications, um, one of the qualifications to be an elder is to be hospitable, right? Our elders are supposed to be mature Christians, people we can look up to, people who can lead us and teach us, and one of the things that marks an elder is hospitality. And one more verse that I think is really incredible is in Matthew 25. This is where Jesus, he's saying, I'm going to come back one day, I'm going to sit on the judgment throne, and I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. One of the things that separates the sheep from the goats is, I was hungry, you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. One of the things that Jesus says when he separates these people is that the person who welcomes the stranger, that's the person who's in, right? And I think this maps on exactly to Leviticus. Remember, we have to be holy as God is holy. Now we don't have a a border, a a nation where we're holy, but we should look different than the world. It's not natural to love strangers. It's something unnatural to us. It's something that should look different about us than the world. People are, uh, how, people tend to be skeptical and afraid of strangers. They want to look out for themselves first. They want to keep their doors closed, don't let people in. The Christian who looks different than the world is marked by welcoming people in, loving the stranger, no matter whether, whether they've met them before or not. I tried, here's my basic definition. There's not like one definition in scripture where it just says what it is. Here's what I think hospitality is. It's loving strangers by inviting them into your life. Uh, because it's not just loving strangers. This word hospitality carries with it this idea of hosting, right? It's the same root word that goes into hosting people. We see in like Third John, uh, the elder there at the church hosted these missionaries that came through. He didn't know them, but he hosted them at his church. That's hospitality as well. So it's loving strangers specifically by inviting them into your life, things that you have, by inviting them into your house or by inviting them into your car for a ride somewhere and they need a ride or inviting them to have something that you have. Hey, here, I've got extra. You have it. Loving stranger by giving of what you have, inviting them into your life. Just like how the people of Israel were supposed to bring the foreigners into their life, not just ostracize them down at the end of the block, but they're a part of Israel's worship. They're a part of God's people if they want to be and be in the land. Same thing for us. We bring people into our life. That's hospitality. Okay, that's the rule. That's what Leviticus uh, 19, 33, and 34, that's the command for them. Love strangers as yourself. That's the command for us in the New Testament as well. Love strangers as yourself. So now we get to this second half. We get to see why. Why does it matter that we should love strangers? For a lot of these laws in Leviticus, God doesn't give a reason. He just says, do this. And it's reason enough that God tells you to do this. 
all around this verse, it says the same, like in verse 35, you shall do no wrong judgment. You shall have just balances. Don't turn to mediums or necromancers. He doesn't explain that. He just says, don't do it. But he actually offers an explanation here in 33 and 34. Uh, he can almost, it's like he can sense Israel being resistant. Like, what do you mean we have to love it? We're, we're Israel. What do you mean we have to let people in? He's like, no, here's why. Here's why, Israel, and here's why for us. Verse 34, you shall love him as yourself. Why? For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is the reason that God gives for why Israel should welcome foreigners in. This is our reason for why we should be hospitable. We should show hospitality to strangers because God first showed hospitality to us. That's his answer to Israel. He gives them two reasons here. He starts with, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. He's basically like, hey, remember how not that long ago you were slaves in Egypt? You were foreigners in Egypt? You were resident aliens in Egypt? Uh, Don't forget that and don't be like the Egyptians. It's basically calling Israel to remember the golden rule, right? How about you treat foreigners in your land as you would have liked to be treated in Egypt? Remember how they you know, took your straw and made it harder to make bricks? Yeah, don't do that. Uh, Remember how they killed your firstborn uh, males because they thought you were getting too big? Yeah, don't do that. Uh, Don't be like the Egyptians. You're supposed to be holy as I am holy. Remember where you were. Remember how you were enslaved and have sympathy for foreigners in your own land. Don't act like the Egyptians, but remember where you came from and love the foreigner in your land. God could have just left it there, reason enough again, but he continues and gives one last reason. I am the Lord your God. How many of us on our own actually love strangers? How many of us are actually able to see someone we don't know very well and actually invite them into our life, no matter how hard it is or awkward it is or how costly it is to us? God knows that his people can't do this. Just like they couldn't take themselves out of slavery in Egypt, uh, this is something that they need God's help to do. And so he reminds them, Not only were you strangers in Egypt, but I'm the one who rescued you out of there and you should look like me and be holy as I am holy. The the final reason for why we should be hospitable, the final reason, the bottom line for why the people of Israel uh, were supposed to take in foreigners was because of God. I am the Lord your God. I am holy. Be holy like me. This is the same reason for us today. I want to read just briefly from the book of Ephesians. I'm not going to put it on the screen. Just listen to the wording that's used here in Ephesians. Listen to the words it uses. This is Paul. He's talking to Gentiles in Ephesus. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. Remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul uses that word, stranger, alien, to describe how we were in our relationship to God before we were saved. We were literally strangers to God, aliens to him. We were totally separate from him. There was a gulf between us. We were sinful. God was holy. We were aliens to God. But now, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Skipping down to verse 19, listen again. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The reason why we're hospitable, the reason why we show hospitality to strangers is because God showed love to us when we were strangers. 
That's the motivation. That's, that's why we get over our fear, get over our whatever to go and show hospitality to someone. It's because we were utterly without hope, utterly sinful, utterly strangers. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made a way for us to be in his family. And it's not like he showed us hospitality where he's like, hey, come over to my house for dinner one night and hang out with me for a little while and then I'll never see you again. It's not like his hospitality was like, sure, you can borrow my car one time. God's hospitality was, okay, I love you so much, I'm gonna adopt you into my family. Instead of just loving a stranger every once in a while, he said, you're a stranger, now you're my son. Now you're my daughter. We are adopted into God's family. He showed us the greatest possible hospitality that exists by showing love and bringing us into his family and making us covenant members, saving us from our sins. Anyone on earth who repents of their sins and follows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can go from being a stranger, separated from God, to being a co-heir with Christ, a son or a daughter of the king. That's why we show hospitality. That's the motivation. I think that's what God was telling the Israelites in Leviticus all those many years ago, and I think that's what the New Testament picks up on when it starts talking about hospitality. We should be hospitable to our neighbors because God loved us first. That's pretty much all the two verses. That's all that's there, but I think it leaves us with one final question. Um, if, this, if this verse in Leviticus was talking about immigrants to Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, like in the past, and we're, supposed to, and we're trying to follow this commandment in Leviticus, who are the strangers sojourning among us now today? Right? We know we should show hospitality. We know what it is. We know we should show it because of what Christ has done for us. But who are we hospitable to? Who are the strangers sojourning among us? I think when we bring this forward into the New Testament, think about what's happening in Israel. They're a nation. They're a people of God. And then foreigners approach, and they basically enter into the people of God. If we are now the nation of God, if we're now God's covenant people, and a stranger approaches and wants to enter into the people of God, who is that stranger then? I think mainly what it's talking about is new converts to Christianity uh, and or new people to our church. I think that's the main application of this particular passage in Leviticus. We should love uh, the, the person who we show hospitality towards, the sojourner, the stranger in our lives today is the newcomer to CFC. That's what I think it is. Um, and I think it, I think it radiates out in layers, right? So the first thing we do is um, if somebody shows up on Sunday morning and they're literally a stranger, you do not recognize them, boom, you show hospitality to them. That's the, that's the message. They're somebody who's coming in. They're visiting us. They're sojourning here into our little family here at CFC. And we want to show them hospitality. We want to love them as ourselves. Um, so basically, you know, greeting our visitors at the door is not just a job for the welcome team. Greeting our visitors is not just for the pastors or for certain specialized individuals. Anybody in this room, anybody who's a member of CFC, if you see a new person come in the door, go greet them, go welcome them. Try and make them feel comfortable and welcome here. Love them as you would, would like to be loved if you went to a new church. It can be awkward and uncomfortable just walk into a room with nobody you know, especially a church our size, right? Like you see when people visit. It's, hard to, it's not like you can hide in a thousand people, you know? So make them feel welcome. Make them feel welcome. Show hospitality to them. And I actually think our church does a good job of this. I'm not saying you guys don't do a good job of this. I just think that's what Leviticus is driving us towards. We could always do better at welcoming people into our community here. Um, I think also, though, it extends past just that first time that the person walks in the door. 
Remember that in Leviticus, the people were supposed to make them as if they were a native of the people, right? And so what I think the application is for us then is when we have visitors and they come and visit our church one time, two times, it doesn't stop on the first time. It's not like we say, hi, hey, we're glad, glad you're here this Sunday. And the next Sunday you see him and you're like, oh, I already said hi to him. All right, I already showed hospitality to that person. No, it's a continued hospitality of bringing people into our family to where they feel like they're native here to where they feel like they've been going here for 50 years, to where they feel like this is their family. We have to be uh, active and intentional and on purpose bring people in and make them feel like they're actually a part of our family, whether they're a brand new convert to Christianity or whether they're just a Christian who found us here and is joining our congregation here. They're the person who's come, they're sojourning here with us, and we want to make them like a native here. We want them to feel completely and entirely welcome with us here. I think that adds another layer of application, which is that if we want people to feel welcome and join our family here at CFC, then we need to actually act like a family here at CFC. If we want people to join into our community, we should have a community to join into, right? And so I think another application of this text is, is there a stranger sitting in this room right now? Is there somebody who goes to our church who's been coming here for a while and you don't know them? Are you a member at our church and you look through the membership list and you're like, who's that again? Uh, are you, or, it, I mean, it starts with just knowing who people are in the congregation, but I also think it's, um, do you talk to all the same people every Sunday after church? Is there somebody in our congregation you've never talked to? And I think it keeps going. Do we ever hang out outside of church? We have these events we're doing. Those are great. Have you ever had someone on our, on our membership list, someone in our congregation over to your house? Have you invited people into your life? Have you given somebody a ride? Have you loved the people in our congregation who you don't know well as yourself? I think that's the application of this text. And I think, again, I'm not saying this to say we do a bad job of this. Every church has to figure this out. Every church, um, again, because we are not a nation, it's not like we're like a a country here in the walls. We're people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So naturally, we're going to find ourselves drawn to one person or another. We're going to have friends, better friends, not better friends. It's not like you can't have good friends at church and less good friends, but you can't have strangers at church. You need to know the people in our congregation and love them. Again, I think we do a good job of this. I think we need to keep pushing forward. And so when people come and visit our church, we can invite them into the community where we're already loving each other and we bring them in and make them feel like, feel like they're a part of the family where we're a family who actually hangs out with each other and actually opens up our lives to one another. One last ring that radiates out, I think, from this idea of hospitality. It starts with welcoming people when they come in. It goes to bringing them into the family. It goes to actually loving each other as family. But I also think that hospitality is not just directed to Christians in the pews, but to actual strangers. Um, we don't want to be like the, the lawyer in, in uh, Luke who says, well, who is my neighbor? I know my neighbor in here, but I don't know. People out there, they're not my neighbor. Um, I think Galatians 6.10 sums up this idea pretty well. Uh, this is what it says. This is the, this is the principle. Uh, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So I think as we work on hospitality, as we think about the fact that uh, Christ has saved us, as we think about that motivating us to love other people because he first loved us, we start here. We start by loving the people who are near us in our church, uh, loving the household of faith, making sure we do that. But then when you walk outside your door at home and you see your neighbor get in the mail and you talk to that person, invite them into your life. The stranger who you don't know, find a way to invite them into your life. And I think this is important because I think it's one of our biggest tools 
that we can use for evangelism today. Uh, Because I'm willing to bet that somewhere on your street where you live, there's a person uh, who probably is not inclined to come to church. Uh, For whatever reason, they're not likely to just show up here one Sunday out of nowhere. Um, They're not thinking about going to church. They're even anti-church. And one of the best ways you can bring people into our church family is bring them into your family, to be hospitable to them, to let them come to your house, to let them come do things with your family, to see what it looks like to be a Christian. The person who might not come to a church invitation might come to an invitation to a barbecue at your house or to a game night you're having at your house. Something you're doing with your community, they might come to that before they come to our church. And that can be one of the ways we start to evangelize that person. Not by, you know, we still speak the gospel to them at some point. It's not just the actions, but get them in the door. There are people who are never going to just walk up our doorway unprompted. We need to start building relationships with strangers, loving them as ourselves. We show hospitality to others because God first showed it to us. And uh, notice in the way that God showed it to us, there was sacrifice involved. It wasn't easy for God to bring us into his family. Uh, In fact, it was the ultimate sacrifice. Loving other people requires you to sacrifice something. It's not easy to walk across the other side of the church and talk to that person who you don't know, who you probably should know, you know? It's not easy. It can be awkward to walk up to a stranger who comes in the door and try and start a conversation with them. But why do we do it? Remember, that's the whole point of this Leviticus text. Why? Why should we do that? It's because Christ first loved us. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, much bigger sacrifice than you having an awkward conversation with somebody in the lobby, right? The sacrifice that Jesus made for us, much bigger sacrifice than the extra grocery bill you have that week because you had a bunch of people over to your house. Uh, We are motivated by Christ's love for us to go and love others around us because when we were strangers, Christ brought us in to become his family. He showed us hospitality first. So let's get out there. Go find somebody in the congregation you don't know well. Invite them to your house tonight. We don't have anything tonight. The CFC course starts next week. So find somebody and get them in there, man. We should be acting like a family, loving each other, opening up our lives to each other. Uh, And let's make it to where there aren't any strangers in here, right? Uh, I think, like I said, we're doing a good job. Let's keep pushing forward. Uh, And let's make it to where when people come join us, uh, they can see that we love each other and we love them when they walk in the door. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word, Uh, every single part of it, even the parts in the Old Testament that we don't read often or don't understand. Thankful, Father, that your word has profit for us all over it, not just in the New Testament or Revelation or whatever we're doing, but we can go even to Leviticus and see how your word calls us today to be hospitable. God, I pray that each and every one of us we remember the sacrifice that you gave, the love that you first poured out on us, and we would in turn pour that love out on others. Not just our best friends, uh, not just the people we know well, but that we would intentionally seek out people we don't know as well and show love to them. That your love would motivate us to be hospitable people, that we would look different than the world, that when people walk in these doors of our church, that it would look different, that it would feel different, that they could tell that we are not like the world, but that we are people who love hospitality, love to bring people in and love them. Father, as we close in this song now, pray that we would worship you and that you would encourage us and enliven us to go out and live this truth out today in our lives. So Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you please stand?